Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning. It is still morning, Church for All Nations. I'm so excited that you're here with us on this Sunday in May. And I just want to, I just want to welcome you. Again, wherever you are on this journey of spirituality, of this journey of figuring out what this Bible, Jesus, God of the universe thing really is, we're glad that you're here. You are welcome and you are loved. And we are in the middle of this series entitled Better. Everybody say better. Better. And the foundation of this series really is this idea that Jesus unpacks saying that the thief, meaning the enemy of your soul, how many of you know that the enemy of your soul is real? He exists. He's waging war against us. The enemy of your soul came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said that he came that we would have life and have it abundantly or bigger or better, or some translations say to the full, right? Better. And so we've talked about what it looks like to have better relationships. We've talked about what it looks like to have better mental health, better thinking. And today, we're going to talk about how to have better prayers. Better, yes, amen, right? Better prayers, hallelujah. Better prayers. How many truly want better, more effective, more powerful prayers? I do. Of course I do. I want to pray like Elder Denmark just prayed. Come on. Come on. But some of you, when I said that phrase, better prayers, some of you immediately had a vision of someone like Elder Denmark praying. Some of you might have had a vision of someone else that unlike Elder Denmark, who does talk like that just in everyday life, right, Miss Carrie? <laughs> Maybe you had a vision of someone who immediately changes their voice the second they start to pray. Or maybe start using words that you ain't never heard, adding TH to everything. God doeth and worketh. And you're like, what? That's not even, I don't understand. Maybe you had that vision and the thought of you actually having better prayers seems really, really foreign. But today I want to look at what scripture says effective prayers, better prayers really look like. So look with me at James we're going to open the Bible to James 5, or it's going to be on the screens. We're going to start in verse 13. What does Scripture say about effective prayers? If you read the passages that come before verse 13, James is unpacking a few different situations, a few different issues. He's talking about if, if anyone is in trouble, pray. If anyone is happy, pray. If anybody is sick, pray. If you need forgiveness, pray. And he continues in saying in verse 16, therefore, meaning since prayer is the answer to it all, therefore confess your sins to each other. Confess your struggles, what you're walking through to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. 
And I love that James doesn't stop there. He continues. He continues with saying the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective like, verse 17, Elijah was a human being. Even as we are, Elijah was just like you and me. How many of you, that's kind of hard to process sometimes. When I read about Elijah, I don't feel like he's just like me. But scripture says that he was just as human as you and I are on our worst day. And scripture says he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And guess what? It did not rain on the land for three and a half years. A drought and famine started because of the prayers he prayed. Verse 18, and then again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. There's a reason that I believe that James connects this idea of effective prayer to Elijah. Specifically, Elijah's story concerning praying for famine and drought, exactly as the Lord told him, and then again, praying for the rain to return. And so what I want to do today is look at three principles that we can learn from that specific account of Elijah, that specific account of praying for the rains to return from that drought and how we can apply it to our prayer life, how we can apply it to our prayers and our thinking to create a better, more effective, more powerful prayer. The very first principle that I want to impact to you today is Elijah knew that God is listening. Elijah knew that the God of the universe was listening to him. How many NBA fans do we have in the house today? See, this is, this is so interesting because I know that's a painful question. Hashtag bring them back. Hashtag Sonics. Right, it's a painful question to ask in this area. And maybe some of you have found yourself in the place that my husband and I have found ourselves in doing something that we thought we would never do. Some of you might even call it the unpardonable sin, and that is cheering for Portland in this series. But I got to be honest with you guys, I cannot believe that it is of the Lord for Golden State to win again. I, I just can't. And so we really wrestle with that. And our justification is that it is a Pacific Northwest team. So we're not betraying the Sonics and we are still interceding on behalf of the Lord bringing them back. Amen. Man, you guys are so spiritual. You're not even with me. Okay. So we love sports in our house and we watch sports together. I think that was part of what uh, Pastor JF asked of the Lord, of his wife. Lord Jesus, make sure she loves sports the way that I do in Jesus' name. Prayers of a righteous, they avail much. And so we love watching the games together. And, and I know better than to do this, but on the first game of this series that looks like Golden State will actually win, uh, the first game we were watching together and during a commercial, because I wouldn't dare do it while the ball is in play, during a commercial, I started talking to my amazing husband about an article that I had been reading. 
And I wanted to unpack to him some of the research and the implementation and how I felt like we could utilize it even in social services here at Church for All Nations. And then I looked at him because I asked, what do you think, dear? And there was a really long, dramatic pause. And in that moment, I heard from my incredible, loving husband those oh-so-romantic words that every wife loves to hear. Were you talking to me? (sighs) Thanks, babe. Thanks. I love you, too. Yeah. If some of you are honest, truly honest, here this morning, most of you feel like God has that attitude toward you in your prayers. Some of you, even, again, if you're truly honest, struggle with this idea of praying in general because in your heart of hearts, you don't really believe that God is listening. And you know what's so interesting about that is if we really start to grasp, as Elijah did, if we really start to grasp that the God of the universe is listening for your prayers. You know what? Even if you are not a follower of Jesus, he is listening for you to cry out to him. And he promises to answer. And I wonder here this morning how many of us really have that realization of the fact that the God of the universe's ear is turned toward us. Look, at John, 1 John 5, starting in verse 14 with me. I love the way this passage unpacks this. Because scripture says this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. This is why we can be secure in this idea of praying and prayer and what God wants to do in and through us. Scripture says that if we ask anything according to his will, according to his will, According to his will, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, and if you have your Bibles, underline that, because this is a contingency statement. And the end of this statement is only true if the beginning is implied. If we know that he hears us, If we understand that God is truly listening, then whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If we know that he hears us, then we know that we're going to have what we've asked of him. Elijah had this confidence. Elijah understood this principle. And part of it was because he saw the miracles of God in his life. Even in 1 Kings 17, just that chapter alone, think about the miraculous power of God that is being utilized through Elijah. Talk about the fact that the drought started because God spoke it to Elijah and Elijah prayed for it exactly as he asked. So the drought, that's one incredible miracle. Number two, ravens were actually sent to feed Elijah because there was a famine in the land due to the drought. Another incredible Miracle? Go and read it tonight. There's also a a widow that Elijah goes to and asks for food. And she says, I am 
completely out of food. I'm just going to make this one meal for my son and then we're going to die. And you want to take that? And he says, trust my God. And then the food multiplies, right? Right before their eyes. And then that same widow, her son dies. And the Lord uses Elijah to raise him from the dead. So no one understands this better than Elijah because he's seen what's happened when you actually trust that God hears you. And 1 Kings 17, 22 says it as clearly as it can be stated. The Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. And some of you are thinking, yeah, but that's Elijah. But remember, the passage we just read said that Elijah was just human exactly like you and me. And if you comb through scriptures, there's reminder after reminder after reminder of just how much God hears us. Three off the top of my head because they're in my notes. Amen. First Peter 3 tells us that he's attentive to our prayers. Psalm 66 says that the Lord was listening. John 9 says that God listens avidly. The God of the universe is listening to you. If you grasp that, if you leave here today with nothing else but that, that will change your prayer life from obligatory to celebratory. This idea of how excited you really could be to be able to interact, to communicate with the God who created everything and is listening for your voice. Amen? Elijah understood that God is listening. The second principle that I want to unpack today that's found right in this tiny little passage of Scripture, just these two chapters. The second is Elijah understood that others are listening. Elijah understood that others are listening. Here's where I think we get hung up. I think that some of us have an issue with this idea of praying because we are frustrated with the idea of an all-sovereign, all-powerful God that would ever want to use us. In fact, some of you have even said this to me in conversations. Why would I need to pray? If God is all-powerful, why doesn't he just do it? His will. And I want to share with you just one small picture of why I think that is the case. I love cooking. Anyone out here love cooking? Three of you. Awesome. Anyone love eating? Yeah, there we go. Okay, awesome. I do love cooking and I love baking and I'm not as good at baking as I am at cooking and I think it's a practice thing because Pastor JF is not a sweets person, so I tend to cook more than to bake. But Izzy and I, my daughter, my seven-year-old daughter, we love to cook together. And I think I have a picture of that on the screen. I know, right? She's so beautiful. And because I was so passionate about even getting her excited about this idea of learning to cook with mommy, because I think it's important that we pass those skills on to our daughters. Hey, moms. Yeah. Not just the Uber Eats number. That's good too. That's important. I'm not going to lie. But I got us, I found them at a thrift store. 
I found us matching aprons. Aren't these cute? I mean, I know you don't care, but ladies, this one says mommy, right? And you can see we have them on. And then Izzy's says mommy's sugar and spice. I know. And so we put our aprons on uh, Sunday afternoon, late evening is our meal prep day. My husband knows this. And so uh, we'll start the meal prep and we put our aprons on and she gets so jazzed to do this. And then we start the process. And in the process, I'm teaching her elements of cooking. I'm teaching what to do and what not to do. We're talking about every single aspect so that when she is called on to cook, right? Whether she's a mama or someone's friend, whatever, she will have those skills. I'm wanting to impart some of who I am, some of what I value into my daughter. Now, let me, let me give you a point here that I don't want you to miss. When I bake the cake with her, it takes a heck of a lot longer, right? It's so much more difficult to bake the cake with her. The cake doesn't come out always as pretty. How many of you know sometimes it has some eggshells in it, right? Half the cake might often end up on the floor. But what you need to understand this morning, especially in regard to our prayer life, is that the cake isn't the point. The cake is part of the point, but the point is the experience. The point is the relationship. The idea that the God of the universe wants to change this world through you and through me has everything to do with the process and us becoming more like him in the process. And that changes everything. It changes everything. So now it's not just about... His kingdom come on this earth. It's about the fact that he wants it to come through you, in you, using you. And so this idea of the fact that others are listening has everything to do with that process. It also has to do with you and me walking in the authority that God has given us. Because he values that process, he wants us to walk in that authority. And that involves probably more than you realize. I want to unpack a scripture for me that the Holy Spirit only revealed to me in the last seven months. But it's changed my life in terms of the way that I pray. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 3. We'll start in verse 8. Paul is writing, And I love how humble Paul is because Paul was one of the most brilliant minds to have lived in his day. And I think this idea comes with the more you know, the more you know you don't know. Amen? So Paul starts it with, although I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace, this calling is what he means, was given to me. So this is Paul's calling. This is what he's assigned to do to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. How many of you are Gentiles? Lift your hand, lift your hand, lift your hand. So Paul's calling, part of Paul's calling was to teach us, even today, part of what it is that Jesus did on the cross, all of the riches that are available to us. Look at verse nine. 
The other part of that is not only to tell us about the riches, but to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which was ages past kept hidden in God who created all things. So Paul's saying, not only am I called to tell you about everything Jesus did for you, okay? Everything that's available to you. I am also called to tell you how to access it. I'm gonna tell you how you can really grab hold of it and experience in your life. Now here's the key, verse 10. This is how we access it. This is how we grab hold to everything that Jesus has done for us. His intent, meaning Jesus's, was now that through the, through the, one more time, through the, who's the church? You are, I am, if you are a follower of Jesus, we are the church. So this is our assignment. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he's accomplished in Jesus Christ, our Lord. I don't want you to miss this because this is deep, right? It's really deep. There are powers of good and powers of evil that operate around us all the time that are more real than what we see with our visible eyes. And part of your job, if you are a follower of Jesus, part of your job as the church is to speak to those rulers and tell them the wisdom of the word of God, to tell them exactly what Jesus did for you and for me, to speak to them the authority on which we operate. And none of us will walk in the fullness of life the fullness of riches of Jesus Christ until we begin to do that. What does that look like? It looks like when your marriage is falling apart, you speak to those principalities of lust. You speak to the principalities over areas of miscommunication and you explain to them that no one can separate what God has put together. You start to speak that over. You speak the healing over your children. You start to speak to those principalities. Others are listening. This has everything to do with the power of our words. In everything that we say, everything that we speak out, I have this habit with our staff, but also with my friends, that when they speak something even remotely negative about themselves, I say, oh, you want me to agree with you on that? Because if two or more agree, and they're like, oh. The power of your words walking in that authority. Elijah understood this too. If you look at that account, Elijah understood that he was to speak to those powers of darkness He was one of the only prophets left of the Lord, surrounded by hundreds of prophets of Baal, false prophets from this false God. And so he was not silent concerning them. He spoke directly to them on behalf of the authority that God had given him. And he challenged them. And I love this. Go home tonight. Read 1 Kings 17 and 18 because it is a riot of a story. Because not only does Elijah challenge them, he has epic smack talk. Any smack talkers in here? Oh, I can be terrible at something. I'm still going to smack talk all day long. You don't even understand. And so what he says 
is he calls them forth and he says, you need to understand that there is only one true God. You need to understand that I operate in his authority and you have no place here. Some of you need to say that in your homes. Some of you need to say that in your jobs, in your schools. That is part of your role as the church. And so Elijah calls them forth and he challenges them. He said, let's get two bowls. You guys have one, you start preparing that, I'll have the other. These hundreds of prophets start preparing their bull for sacrifice and they put it on the altar of Baal and they start calling out to this false god. And I love that in that moment, again, this smack talk, biblical smack talk, come on, that is, that is something. He says, oh, oh, your God's not responding. Ain't no fire, Phil. Um, maybe he's on vacation. Read it. It's in scripture. And he starts laughing. He says, oh, maybe you need to talk louder. Maybe he's taking a nap, right? And nothing happens. And now it's Elijah's turn. It's Elijah's turn and he rebuilds the altar that had been torn down, the altar of the Lord. And he prepares that bowl and he calls not one barrel, not two barrels, three barrels of water to drench the whole altar. He's going to watch my God show out. You ain't even ready. And he says, God, show him who you are. And immediately, that entire bowl is encased in flames. All the water licked up around it. And look at what scripture says happens next. 1 Kings 18, 39. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then Elijah commanded them, you seize those prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. Some of you need to understand the power, the authority that lies inside of you because of what Jesus did. And you need to start speaking in your prayer life on behalf of that power to those powers of darkness. That is your authority. That is your role of the church. And you will never walk in the fullness of healing, in the fullness of life, in the fullness of everything God provided for you until you start to speak his truth. The band can come back. I want you to look at this next verse. The very next thing that happens in this account of Elijah, 1 Kings eighteen forty one, Elijah says to King Ahab, you go eat and drink for there is the sound of a heavy rain. Now, I love this because in reality, God had told Elijah to pray for rain. He'd already been praying for rain, but no clouds were in the sky anywhere. But sometimes you have to see with something other than your eyes, right? One of my friends said it this way not too long ago, and I thought, that is power. He said, we always think that the opposite of faith is doubt, but it's not. The opposite of faith is seeing, right? You walk by faith and not by sight. So sometimes your faith can grow more when you're seeing nothing than it ever can when you're seeing it all happen before you. And that leads us to our third point. 
Elijah knew that God was listening, is listening. I made it present tense for a purpose. Elijah understood others are listening presently. Your words matter. Your proclamations matter. The realm of darkness is listening. Number three, Elijah's listening directed his prayers. Elijah's listening directed his prayers. It's so incredible to me, this idea of what is available to us. What is available to us because of what the Lord did, the fact that the Lord wants to engage with us. But I think so often we don't think about prayer as really listening, as really hearing what God has for us and asking Him what He'd ask us to pray. And I think about this idea of even, gosh, a couple weeks ago, talking to one of my very best friends, and she made a statement. She said, you know, I really don't understand why I even need to pray because God's just going to write my life the way He wants anyway, right? And I said, no, friend, that is not how this works. I think about this idea of Amazon. Any Amazon shoppers? I am the Amazon shopper of the world. We got cardboard for days. You don't even know. A little smile on it. It's like Christmas every day, isn't it? But what's so powerful about the picture of Amazon is that the simple stuff so often will just be dropped on our door, right? And then we get home and it's there. But the really expensive stuff, the extravagant stuff, what happens is they leave a door tag because they require a signature. And for some of us here in this room, we need to think about all of what God has for us in light of that picture. Because there are things that the Lord has either told you, things that you've read about in Scripture, that are those riches that will remain held and kept for you until you decide to claim them. That is a powerful picture. And if you can grasp that, if you can grasp that they are available, I don't want to stand before God one day and Him say, Ashley, you didn't, you didn't operate in even half of what I provided for you. It was all waiting in that warehouse and you had the claim ticket. And instead of bringing it about and exchanging it for what I have for you, you just held on to it. You're just quiet, listening, hearing everything that the Lord has. There's a phrase that you'll find if you do go home and read the story of Elijah tonight. Throughout chapter 17 and 18, there's a phrase that you'll find over and over and over where scripture says, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. The word of the Lord came to Elijah and spoke to Elijah concerning what to pray and how to pray. And I wonder today if some of you aren't so frustrated in your prayer lives because you've been praying what you want and not what He wants. Perhaps some of you are so frustrated because you think God hasn't answered your prayer and yet His answer 
was that he wants you to pray for something different. But you're not listening. You're not listening. The word of the Lord is going forth. The word of the Lord is speaking to you, but perhaps you're not listening closely. Such a powerful picture there. And we see in 1 Kings 18, verse 42, he had just told King Ahab that he heard the sound of heavy rain. He knew exactly what the Lord had spoken to him. But look at what he goes and does. Verse 42 says, Ahab went off to eat and drink like Elijah told him to. But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. He was still interceding. He believed that God would answer. He knew God would answer. And yet he was still praying for exactly what God told him to. Verse 43 Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. He went up and looked, and the servant said, "Um, Yeah, no, there's nothing there. You said to Ahab that rain was coming. There ain't a cloud, brother. And Ahab's been killing prophets. So I'm going to go hide, and you do you. No, no, no. Elijah says, Go back. Look again. One time? Nope. Most of us in that moment, let's be honest, when we see that nothing's there, what are we saying? Oh, it must not be God's will. So I'm going to go eat with everybody else. Why? Because we're giving up too quickly on what the Lord has told us, on the promises that He's given us. We are giving up too quickly. Elijah didn't say it one time, go back. He didn't say it two times, go back. He said, go back. The third time, still nothing. Go back the fourth time, still nothing. Go back the fifth time, still nothing. And you know that servant is like, brother, I might need to pray for you. Because this is, this is starting to get a little, a little weird. Sixth time, seventh time. He says, go back and look. Here's what I want you to see. In Scripture, when the word faith is used, the prayer of faith When Jesus said, woman, your faith has made you whole. In the original language, that word is chutzpah. It's a Yiddish term that really means tenacity, unwillingness to quit. How many times has the Lord promised you something and you quit praying on it? You quit after one time, two times, three times. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. you got to keep going. You got to keep going. And here's the thing. It's not that the number seven is how many times you have to pray. The number seven is a symbol of completion, perfection. God is telling you, you pray what I've told you. You pray what you've heard from me until it is complete, until it is done, until it is perfected. Look at what happens after that seventh time. Verse 44, the seventh time the servant reported, whoa, wait, there's something there. It's a cloud as small as a man's hand and it's rising from the sea. Elijah said, I'll take it. That's it. I'll take it. He said, go and tell Ahab to hitch up his chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds and the wind rose and a heavy rain started falling. Powerful. God answering 
that prayer. As the rain started falling, Ahab rode off to Jezreel. And I want you to see this because this I've never seen before this week. And it got me excited. It makes me want to dance. It makes me want to shout just a little, right? The power of the Lord, verse 46, says Ahab rode off to Jezreel, right? He went and hitched up the chariot. He's, he's got the horse and the chariot and he's already riding there. Look at verse 46, the power of the Lord. When Elijah started to see, did he see the fullness of it? No, no, no. he only saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. He just saw the tiny start of it. And yet in that moment, the power of the Lord came on Elijah and that brother tucked his cloak up, tuck it in his belt and he took off running. And look at what scripture says. I am not making this up. It says he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. What? Do you see what I'm talking about? This idea, not seeing the fullness of it, not seeing it in its completion, but just seeing the start. He celebrates, praises God so much so that he is running faster than a chariot and horses. Come on. What's the picture there? It had everything to do with what Elijah heard. He was listening. Not just listening to the voice of the Lord, but listening for the rain. Because what you are looking for, you will always find. If you are looking for the worst, if you are looking for the critical part, if you, guess what? You'll find it. If you're looking to see what God is doing, He will show you that too. I'm going to leave you with this one scripture. This one passage out of Isaiah. Because I was praying this week, understanding that so many of you are so weary. You're so weary in your prayer life. You're so weary in walking by the Spirit. And I asked the Lord, Lord, show me what you have for them. Those of you that feel like you've been praying for the same thing, not one time, not two times, not three times, right? Just praying, praying, and you've grown weary. And Isaiah 40, starting in verse 30 says, even youths, grow faint and weary and young men shall utterly fall but those who say it wait those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary who does that sound like that sounds like Elijah doesn't it but here's what I want you to see. If you have your Bibles, underline that word wait. Because some of you are waiting on the Lord, but you're waiting like this. Oh, Lord, come on. When are you going to actually answer? And that's not the posture He wants you waiting. When I read that, I think about waiting on the Lord. Like my favorite restaurant where the service is always so incredible. You know, you have your favorite restaurant where the, that waiter, that waitress, that server is attentive to you. That server is looking directly at you, right? Some of, some of the translations says those who look to the Lord, those who hope in the Lord. What if your waiting looked more like this? Lord, what can I do for you? 
Lord, what is it? What is it? God, what is it that you want? What is it that your heart desires, Lord, that I can know your heart so well that I don't even have to hear you say the words. I can, I can feel, I can feel that. Look, Lord, you need this, Lord. That, what, what can I do, Lord? What can I do? Those that wait, wait on the Lord. What is it? What is it, Father? What would you have? Prayer, so much more about listening than it ever is about talking. Bow your heads. Let me pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you didn't realize that the God of the universe truly wants to use you. The God that created everything that you see, everything around us, actually wants to use you to bring more of heaven to earth right now. Not just in eternity, but right now. Maybe that's a new concept. Maybe you didn't realize that God himself actually made a way for you to spend eternity with him. And maybe you knew that, but you know what? You just kind of walked away from it. Today is the day that you're gonna walk back. Today is the day that you're gonna listen to what he's stirring in your heart. This is not me. This is him. And when I say listen to the Lord, some of you are thinking outside of your body, but really his spirit is inside of us. So when I have heard the Lord, it's always internal. It's a nudging. Right now, maybe you feel in your gut, in your belly, in your chest, this, this stirring that you can't even articulate. That is the Holy Spirit. That's him drawing you. So today, maybe you just wanna say yes to him for the first time, or maybe you're realizing that you walked away from even listening to him and that you wanna follow after him like never before. If that is you and you wanna say yes to Jesus for the first time or coming back, on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. It's a symbol, it's a symbol. It's a symbol because not only are all the heavens watching, but darkness is watching too. And that's the power. That's the power. One, two, three. I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Just lift your hand. Lift your hand. Yes. One, two, three, four. Yes. On this side. Five, six, seven, eight. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Nine. Ten. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're here today. Yes, more hands, more hands, more hands. Right now, just using your own words. Maybe you just wanna say it simple like this, like, Jesus, I don't wanna carry this anymore. You take it. I don't wanna carry this sin, this guilt, this shame. I don't wanna do things my way, God, you take it. You take it. I wanna live for you. Just say that in your own words to him right now. Say it in your own words. All of heaven is rejoicing. All of hell is trembling because they know what God wants to do in and through you. Maybe you're here today and you just want a new, fresh realization of the fact that God is listening. You want a new, fresh realization of the fact that you're supposed to be listening to Him for what to pray and a new revelation of exactly everything that you're supposed to be proclaiming, proclaiming on behalf of everything God wants to do 
in and through you. If that's you, lift your hand. I got my hand up. I ask for God, God, to do that in me even this week. Lord, I want a, a refresh in my prayer life. I want a new passion, a new intensity. Lord, you see our hands, God. We want more of you. Give us a new revelation, God, of just how intently you are listening. You are hanging on our every word. How much you want to do this with us, Lord. Lord, show us, give us wisdom concerning the authority that you've put inside of us. Lord, we, what we are supposed to be proclaiming to those principalities in heavenly realms, show us, give us wisdom, Lord, concerning that discernment the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And God, we ask that you would help us to hear your voice in a new and fresh way, Lord, so that you can not only teach us how to pray, but what to pray. And that we do it with tenacity, holding on till we see you bring it to completion. We trust you, God, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.